Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Psalm 91, it's a privilege to be here this morning. And Miss Brandy sang, that's one of my favorite, favorite gospel hymns for sure about how great heaven is. We're going to talk about a place this morning, believe it or not, that has some benefits that heaven doesn't have. That's crazy, isn't it? Because we're all looking forward to being in heaven, and, and so am I. But do you know that once we get to heaven, there'll be opportunities that we'll no longer have that we have while we're here. There'll be no lost souls in heaven. There'll be nobody without. There'll be no hurting once he wipes all our tears away, those are things that God has called us to do that we can do while we're here that bring honor and glory to him. Now, he's going to have things for us to do in heaven, I'm sure. What they are, I'm not exactly sure, but we're going to serve him forever. We're going to worship, and it's going to be the greatest place you've ever been. But there are things that we can do while we're here that we can't do once we get there. Amen? And it's important that, that we talk about those things while you're turning to Psalm 91, I'm sure you're probably, most of you are there by now. Uh, we were doing a discipleship series on Sunday nights uh, once a month, and we were up to the letter P. And I was really thinking that P probably needed to be prayer. And to be real honest with you, I was a little tentative about it because I did not think that maybe I knew enough about it or maybe I was versed enough, Brother Joe, to talk about it. So I got a book that I had had and lost, we talked about it in Sunday school, Complete Work of Prayer by Ian Bounds. It's over 100 years old. This book is not, but the writings are over 100 years old. And I started reading it, and Brother Jason, I soon realized that I was not presently qualified to speak on prayer. I just wasn't. So I thought, I'm going to need some more time before I'm able to do that. And as I was reading through the Psalms, I got to Psalm 91, and I read it, and it so captivated me, I thought, it's not a prayer, but it's a place. That's a P. I could do that while I'm getting ready for prayer, amen? I, it's, it's, a, it's a very good truth, a, a eternal truth. And I decided at that point I would do it, and, and not knowing how it would go, Brother Paul come up Wednesday night and said, would you be okay doing Sunday morning? I said, well, I'll do whatever, whatever, whatever you need. I, I don't, Sunday morning, Sunday night, I'm fine. Either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, and so I think, I believe with all my heart that the Lord wanted this group of people to hear this message, and that's why I get the privilege uh, of, of being here today, and I don't take it lightly. Also, I do want to say, that, and I, I say this in, with all humility, honestly, I do, that I have prayed for every one of you this morning, individually. I didn't pray for the congregation. I called each and every one of you out individually in prayer. Uh, that's a burden that God has given me that I haven't done in the past, honestly. And I'm glad that he did it. And 
it's a privilege to do it. I prayed for many of you that aren't even here this morning. Maybe you're on live stream. I don't know, but I went through the pews. Miss Linda did that for me when I was actually pastoring and wrote where everybody sits so I could kind of figure out their names and remember them. And I just go pew by pew, and I remember who sits where, and I, I call you all out to the Lord. So I'm praying for you that he does something in your heart today that only he can do, amen? Because there's nothing I can do. Let's do this. Let's, let's stand. We'll read just the very first one. We'll read Psalm 91.1, and then we'll let you sit. We'll settle in and get started. Amen? Psalm 91.1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's read that again. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the secret place uh, that you have for your people. Uh, it's your heart that we would all be there, and we would all abide there, and we would all stay there. Uh, Lord, I have, I have prayed. I have sought you. I believe you have given me the message that, that you want this people to hear. Uh, and now I pray that you do what only you can do, oh Lord, is help the messenger for sure, uh, but more importantly, help the message to settle in upon your people for your honor and your glory. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. And they were seated. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's some, that's some pretty encouraging news. I've, I've read that several times and I liked it. And, and I read into, I got out of Strong's Concordance and I started looking up some of the words. And it gave me an amplified or maybe a more exacting, uh, yeah, amplified would probably be a good, be a good word for what it says. I want to break down a few of these words for you in this definition just so you get a little bit deeper understanding of what it means. He that dwelleth, uh, dwelleth means to remain or to settle or become an inhabitant. Um, we're not uh, dwelling in the church. We're not an inhabitant here. We come here and visit and we're here on Sundays, we're here on Wednesdays, and sometimes we're here on other days. But it's not a place that we remain, amen? We have a home that we settle in. We have a place where we live. So we don't necessarily dwell here, we just come here. Does that make sense to you, amen? All right, it says, in the secret. Uh, in a secret in, in this word means it means covered or covert. How many of you heard of military covert operations? You heard of them? That's our secret ops teams, and that's our special forces. And they go out and they perform missions that they know about that nobody else knows about. They get sent in, and they're a secret, and they don't tell anybody, and we cover those things up. Uh, they're, they're something that not everybody knows about. They're intentionally kept just among a few people. And this place actually means holy sanctuary. When he says place here, it actually means a holy sanctuary. And of the Most High, that's our, that's our Jehovah God, the Most High, shall abide. To abide means to stop and to stay permanently. To arrive at a place and to stop and stay permanently. And then under the shadow, that word shadow actually means defense, and I'm going somewhere with this, of the Almighty. That title, uh, Shaddai, I believe it's pronounced Shaddai, Shaddai, indicates, this is, what, this is what our concordance tells us, it indicates the fullness and riches of God's grace and would remind the Hebrew reader that from God comes every good and perfect, perfect gift 
that he is never weary of pouring out forth his mercies upon his people and that he is more ready to give than they are to receive. That's wordy, amen? So let me give you that one more time. Just read the whole thing through and give it to you in an amplified version so you hear it. He that comes to settle or remain or become an inhabitant in the covered or covert holy sanctuary of the Most High God shall stop and stay permanently under the defense of the God who indicates that he has more goodness and more mercy than we're ever ready to receive. And he just wishes to pour that out upon us. That's a pretty, a pretty impressive thought, is it not? That we have a God that loves us like that. And he has a place for us. Not only a place that he desires us to be, it's a place where anybody can go. But it's an exclusive location. It's where God desires his children to come and to stay, where he can defend them and cover them and pour out the riches of his glory for their personal benefit and pleasure. Now, sometimes we think, well, it's just wrong to have pleasure. Christians should just go through this life and just struggle through and get what they can get. That's, that's not God's intent for this life. Now, we're going to have battles and we're going to have... We're going to have struggles and we're going to have hard times, but God does not intend us to suffer through this life. He intends for us to have a, a rich life while we're here. It's available to whosoever will and is never visited or seen by most. Brother Dennis, now that's a scary thought. I believe that this secret place that he wishes us to be in is never seen by most of the children that he wants to be there. So if it's readily available and it's infinitely desirable, why isn't it densely populated? If God wants us to be there, and if you really think about it and you study it, it's a place that, man, when you think about it, that's a place that I would absolutely love to be. That's a place that I need to be. It would seem, would it not, Brother Jerry, that everybody would be there. But I don't think everybody is. Now, I can't look on your heart this morning. I don't know where you're at. I can tell you that I've been to this place, and I've left it. I've come to it, and I've, and I've stayed a while, and I've left. And honestly, there's nothing better than this place, so why would we do it? Why would we never go there? Let me give you a couple reasons why maybe, maybe we're not there. Matthew 18, verse 4. We're just going to do a few of these quickly. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we don't go to this place or we don't stay in this place because we've lost our innocence. We've lost our humility. Church, it terrifies me today to hear, and I don't listen to a lot of news, but it's almost impossible to escape it all. And when I look at the, the full-blown attack on the innocence, the innocence of children and what is trying to be done by people who have the power and the means to do it in our classrooms, uh, in our entertainment, in our social media, in, in our sporting events, directed at these young people. It's directed at them to rob their innocence at a very early age. Now, most of us have lost our innocence a long time ago. But our innocence is one thing that keeps us away from this place because many times when we lose our innocence, we lose our humility with it. And maybe that's the reason we don't go because we just don't feel we're worthy or we really don't feel like maybe God wants us there because of something that we've done. Or maybe, maybe we got busy. Luke chapter 10, what verses did I give you on that? Luke chapter 10, familiar verse, we'll do it quickly. Now it came to pass as they went that he, being Jesus, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him unto her house. 
And she had a sister called Mary, which also did what? She sat at Jesus' feet. You know where she was? She was in that secret place uh, and heard his word, verse number 40. And Martha was what? Cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath both left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. We're not going to read the next two, but he basically says, Martha, Martha, Martha. He says, what you're doing is important, and I know that you think it's important, but Mary has chosen the better thing. You know, sometimes we just get busy. Anybody say, I've just got, I've been too busy to pray. I have been too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy to go to church. I got to work today. Those things come up, don't they? And God desires us to be in a secret place. And I don't think we intend not to do it. We just get busy. Amen. It's a busy world out there. And then maybe just giving us another little benefit, Luke chapter 18, 12. And we're gonna, she's going to put it up there. I'm not going to read it. But two men went up to pray. And one said, you know, hey, he says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And I'm sure that that man probably ended up at the secret place. But the other man said, I pay tithes of all that I have. I'm a tither. I fast twice in a week. I fast. I am a religious guy, Lord. I am so glad that you and I are this close and that you love me like you do and I love you like I do and we're so much better that we're not even going to include somebody like that over there. Maybe we just got too self-righteous or too religious. Amen. Now we talk about the Pharisees and we say a lot of bad things about them. They crucified Jesus and every horrible thing they did to him, and, and they're exactly right. And his brother Tim shared last week, real honestly, that could have just as well have been us standing there with a the hammer and with a whip. Now, we did that. Uh, they did not do that. But think for a minute. Why would a person get involved in a religious business for a career? Maybe not religious business. The Pharisees were of the genealogy that they could get in there and do that, and they started into that ministry. I don't think they were all bad guys. I really don't think so. I think some of them really intended on glorifying God. Why else would you pick a career that does that? It doesn't pay well, does it, Brother Dennis? No, ministry does not pay well. People do it generally because they want to glorify God. But somewhere along the line, even good intended religious people get religious. And when we get religious, we get to a point where we kind of forget God and we forget to bow and we forget to pray and we forget to wait and we forget to call. So maybe it could have been any of those things. You know, there were some Pharisees, Nicodemus we know, that even as deep as he was into the, the self-righteousness and the, what was going on, he, he came around. Something that Jesus said struck his ear. Joseph of Arimathea, who provided the burial tomb for Jesus. I don't know that he was a Pharisee, but he was a very successful religious social leader at least. He went to the pro-council, the Roman pro-council, and demanded the body of Jesus. Nobody just walked into the Roman pro-council and demanded anything. So he was a man of stature and a man of means. And those were good men who saw paths of religion. And they got to uh, the, the, the heart of Jesus, if you would. So if, if, we, if we should be there, and we want to be there, but we don't get there, and we see some reasons that why maybe we get away from there. Let me give you, you're, maybe you're wondering where you're at today, whether you're in that crowd or not. Let me give you three characteristics of a person who abides in the secret place. Are you ready? Number one, God is the priority in their schedule. If you are abiding in the secret place, if you're coming and staying and settling, it means that God is the priority 
of your schedule. How many of us in here have ever said at one time or another in our life, I'm too busy, I'm too busy to pray today? Is there anybody but me? All right, me and Brother Joe, that's it. Everybody else has always had time for it. Brother Joe, we're, I, guess, I guess we're heathen. I don't know. Um, you know. You know what the Holy Spirit says to me recently when I said I'm too busy, Lord, to get up at 4 a.m. and start praying? You know i got to work, right? You know what he told me? Who sets your schedule? Literally, the Holy Spirit said that to me. Who sets your schedule that you're so busy? What are all the things in your life that take the place of the things that I would like you to do? Who, who chooses that stuff? Because I'm not putting it in there. Amen? Number one mark of a person who's living in the secret place means that, that God is a priority in their schedule. Number two, they have a passion for lost people. We started a little program back there putting up crosses on the wall in our Sunday school class when we invite people, uh, lost people on Sundays, we put crosses up. When we reach out to people within the church that aren't attending and, and try to love them and get them back in, and when we set our own goals and when we spend a certain amount of time doing the things that we're called to do, we put a cross up on Sunday that exhibits the fact that, yes, this week I took up my cross and I bore it out and I, and I tried to reach other people. If you do not, hear me now, and I'm saying this and I love you, if you do not have a passion for a lost person or lost people and you are a child of God, something is wrong, wrong, wrong. Something is very wrong when the church loses its passion for lost people because Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Amen? And number three, a person who lives or abides in the secret place has a fruit-bearing life. They have a fruit-bearing life. Now, this last fruit-bearing life is one that, that, honestly, you really have little control over. You can do all the right things and not bear fruit. You realize that, right? Because fruit comes from God. God bears the fruit. We plant, we water, we sow, we do all those things, but God himself provides the fruit. So we can do right things and not necessarily bear fruit because that's up to him. We'll speak on that later. So how do I get there? If, if I want to be there and I should be there, how do I get there? There's a difference between communication and communion. And I'm not talking about what we take on Sundays. There's communication and communion. Communication is speaking to people. When you're driving down the road and you're getting ready to uh, get on the I-65, say, Lord, I, I pray the traffic's not really bad today. That's kind of a communication. Amen? When you say, oh, Lord, I hope this check that I'm writing, even though I know there's not enough money in the bank, I hope that somehow you deliver it and it does not bounce and, and my, the money mysteriously appears there. That's kind of a communication. Here's what they say communion is. Communion is the sharing or exchanging of the intimate thought and feeling, especially when the exchange is on the mental or spiritual level. Give you that again. Communion is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. God wants us to pray. He doesn't just want to hear how our day is going, although He does. He wants some time where we are intimately sharing with Him the things that are going on so He can intimately share with our hearts the things that He desires for us to do. Does that make sense? Man, we still good so far? There's a fellow named Ian Bounds or Edward McKendry Bounds. Uh, he was born on August 15, 1835. He died August 24, 1913. He wrote several books, eight of them specifically on prayer. Most were published after his death. His work on prayer, and it's over 100 years old, and Psalm 91 is kind of what led me into uh, to consider this prayer on holiness in the secret place. 
You can't get into the secret place without holiness. Did you know that? Yeah, amen. Because you can't abide with God if you have something in your life that God can't abide with. Amen? How many of you have told your children, if you want to live in this house, you're going to abide under my rules because if you don't do that, you're going to have to go abide somewhere else. It's kind of the same in having fellowship with God. He's not going to abide in our sin. So we cannot possibly abide in the secret place without holiness. An effectual, fervent prayer, like in James 5, 16, springs in the fertile soil of holiness. Upon the study of some of the men of prayer, uh, we talked in our discipleship program about interning. That's what I've been doing for the past couple weeks. I've been interning people who know about prayer and who have a life of prayer. I found myself really to be uh, weighed in the balances and found wanting. Let me tell you a quote that Ian Bounds said on prayer. He said, the little estimate we put in prayer is evident from the little time that we give to it. The little estimate that we put on prayer is evident from the little time that we give to it. You know why we pray just a little? Because we just believe it a little bit. If we really believe God would answer our prayers and he would move and he would save lost people, if you had a lost family member and you really believed that if you prayed fervently for them, God would save them, how often would you pray? Often as you could, because it's that important, right? And if you really believe that God would do it, you would continue to do it because you believe that that would happen. Sometimes when we don't pray, it's just evidence of the fact, me speaking personally to myself, that, that I don't believe that God will do things. There was a young man named David Brainerd who was around the 1700s, turn of the century, who became a missionary to the native Indians, the Delaware Indians in New Jersey, uh, more familiar, and he was a man of prayer who has really impressed me, and there's a lot of them in here, but obviously we don't have time to do many of them, but let me just read you a few things about David Brainerd. God found one of the men he was looking for in David Brainerd, whose work and name have gone into history. He was no ordinary man, but capable of shining in any company, the peer of the wise and gifted ones, eminently suited to fill the most attractive pulpits and to labor among the most refined and cultured who were so anxious to secure him for their pastor. He was eloquent, he was a good speaker, he was great in the pulpit, many churches wanted him. President Edwards bears testimony that he was a young man of distinguished talents, had extraordinary knowledge of men and things, had rare conversational powers, excelled in his knowledge of theology, and was truly, for one so young, an extraordinarily divine, and especially in all matters relating to experimental religion. I never knew his equal in his age for standing clear and accurate notions of the nature and essence of true religion. His manner in prayer was almost inimitable, such as I have rarely known equaled. His learning was very considerable, and he had extraordinary gifts for the pulpit. Why are you telling us all this? He could have gone to any pulpit, Brother Jason, and made a good money and got a good career and got paid well to, to be a pastor somewhere. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all with filling the pulpit. We need pastors. David Brainerd went to the... By the way, he also had tuberculosis, or at that time we called it consumption. He went to the Indians, the Delaware Indians in New Jersey, and took somebody who wasn't even a Christian along to help interpret, interpret for him, and he reached those people for the Lord Jesus Christ. He slept undercover. He slept on a, on a pile of hay. He could have had the comfort of a nice place. He agonized over these people in prayer night and day and night and day and night and day. Do you know where David Brainerd spent the better part of his life? I'll give you hints in Psalm 91.1. 1. 
in the secret place of God. That's where he lived. He just stayed there. He moved in and he stayed there. He died at 29 years old from tuberculosis. And he reached a whole nation of lost people out in the wilderness that nobody else seemed, seemingly had any concern or care for because he lived in the secret place. Why are you telling us all this about him? I could, we could spend the rest of the day here and I could give you person after person after person who lived in the secret place of God. And they did extraordinary things for God because God was with them and they were concerned about the things of God. Does that make sense? All right, let me give you a couple more things and we'll, and we'll tear into this. We're going to have to hurry. Another quote from uh, Ian Bounce is this. Talking to men for God is a great thing. That means to witness to people is, is what we're called to do. But talking to God for men is greater still. He will never talk well and with real success to men for God who has not learned well how to talk to God for men. That makes sense to you? You're never going to be a really effective witness as much as God wants you to be, even though it's good to talk to men about God, until we talk to God about the men that we're trying to reach, we'll never be as effective as God wants us to. Does that make sense to you? We still okay? We still awake? All right, amen. All right, let's turn over to, uh, oh, you're in Psalms 1 already. Let's look at verse number 2. A person who lives in this mighty or in this secret place would also say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Uh, he, he trusts. A person who loves his God trusts his God. And there's confidence in this secret place. The Christians in the United States of America today are some of the most heavily medicated, uh, over-worried, over anxious Christians that have ever existed on the face of the planet. Why do we get anxious about anything? Why do I get anxious about anything I can tell you, Brother Joe? Because it gets out of my control. When I can't control things, it bothers me. When I can't make things better on my own, it concerns me. And it stresses me sometimes until I can. Do you know who can control all things? God can control all things. Do you know how to get confidence in your life and get rid of your anxiety? Amen. When you dwell in this secret place, you start to understand that there is a God in heaven who loves you and wants to protect you, and He is your God, and He'll take care of you. Verse number 3. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. The snare of the fowler. What is that? That's a trap. That's how you catch birds. They would lay out a net on the ground, and they would wait till the bird walked into it, I guess, and then they would snatch something, pull a string, whatever, and it would capture the bird. That's what a fowler did. They called fowls. Satan also has traps, right? We read about those. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. I heard this quote. I don't remember who said it. It was a long time ago. It says, sin lies at the intersection of opportunity and desire. Sin lies at the intersection of opportunity and desire. Let me tell you what that means. If you struggle with alcohol and you really want to quit and you're seeking God uh, to help you with that, God will help you with that. Sometimes your desire is not strong enough to keep you away, so you know what God does? He doesn't let you get to the opportunity intersection. He just keeps you away from it by His divine hand and His divine protection, and He keeps you away from those things. So even though you may still have a desire, He doesn't give you opportunity. 
And then eventually when your desire gets to the place where it, sh it should be, where you can control your desire, then you can get to that intersection where the opportunity is and you're no longer troubled by that because the desire is gone. God does that for his people. He protects us. A noisome pestilence is a wicked, perverse, destroying thing. When you think about Egypt and, and some of the things that happened, the moraine and some of those things, uh, those were a noisome pestilence. The bubonic plague was, was a noisome pestilence, if you will. Let me give you some others that we don't think about a lot. Sexually transmitted diseases are a noisome pestilence. Uh, once you have one, many of them, right, you, they're yours forever. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Once you get one of those things, uh, you're with it forever. It's with your children. It's with your husband. It, it's with whoever. It stays with you forever. Do you know how we contract sexually transmitted diseases? When somebody is not abiding in the secret place. When somebody leaves that place that God wants them to dwell because there's something out there more appealing to us and they go to that place, they get them. If everybody dwelled in the secret place of God, guess what? We wouldn't have them. What about our addictions? You know where you can't satisfy an addiction or at least where you won't try to satisfy an addiction? I have a dear friend that's been to church with us. Some of you would know him if I called out his name right now. And he's, in a, he's back again in rehab. He's trying again to be the problem that, that he can't seem to get over with drugs. And he's a good man, and he loves the Lord, but he just never gets and stays in this secret place. You know how to avoid an addiction? You abide in the secret place of God. You know what's not in the secret place of God? This, you don't go to the crack houses. You don't hang around the bars. You don't get around the things and the places that will provide these things. You abide in the secret place. If you abide in the secret place and you stay there, and you may have to put yourself away for a while. You may have to get some place where you take away all those opportunities. But in the secret place, addictions are cured. In the secret place, anger and bitterness are gone. You can't stay angry and bitter in the presence of God. You can't do it. You can't, like Ms. Brandy saying, gosh, just for my soul to think that the God of all glory gave himself for me uh, for, for no other reason. What an awesome God. He did that knowing all the things that I had done to him and would still even do. He would do that. When you get in that secret place, you realize, you know what? If God would do that much for me, how much more can I do for other people? And then there's pride. We could talk about pride. Um, that keeps more out of people out of church than anything. Divorce is another one. We choose where we abide. Are you following me? If you struggle with anger, that's because you choose to abide there. If you struggle with addictions, that's because you choose to abide there. If you struggle with pornography, it's because you keep putting yourself in the position where you're going to be exposed to it. If you abide in the secret place, guess what? None of that stuff is there. Uh, there's cover in the secret place. Verse number 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt, that, shalt, under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. I read something... Uh, Recently, as a matter of fact, I read just the other day when I was looking at this that a bird's wings have 23 benefits of protection. 23 benefits, layers of protection a bird's wings give to it. And obviously, we're not going to go through all 23. We'll just do 18. Amen? Now, we're not really. In our, in our yard right now, we have a nest, and there's two bald eagles in it, and we're hoping that they're going to have little more bald eagles in it. Amen? And it's way up in the tree, and now that all the leaves are gone, you can see up there. How many of you would climb up that tree once that little bird is in the nest of the bald eagle's nest and attempt to get the baby out with the eagles in it? You're foolish. 
A bald eagle will tear you up. Absolutely tear you up. You know what? God protects us when we sit in the nest like that. He, didn't, he doesn't have to have his children fight. You know, when those babies sit in the nest, they don't worry about fighting because mom's there or dad's there, and they've got protection. He covers them with their wings just like he covers us. Amen? Uh, you don't have to do anything here. You just have to abide. Verse number 5, there's comfort in the secret place. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. This is a little game our kids used to play with us. We knew it was a game. We had a Chevy conversion van, which you could climb up in and had access. You could get around pretty good. And sometimes we may come home from church at night, or we may come home from a long trip, maybe cold out, maybe rain, whatever. May just be, may just be that they didn't want to get up. So they would sit back there in their chairs, Brother Joe, and they would kind of act like they were sleeping. I knew they weren't sleeping. I'd been watching them in the rearview mirror all the way home. But when we got to the house, you know what they would do? They would act like they were sleeping. You know why? Because you would go out and you'd pick them up with your coat and you'd wrap them up in your coat and you'd keep them all warm in there. And they didn't know if it was dark outside. They didn't know if it was light outside. They didn't really know anything. You know what they knew? They were secured. They were safe. They were warm. They were kept in that warm, comfortable place. And they weren't afraid of anything because mom and dad were near. Now, mom and dad aren't infallible. Mom and dad can't protect you from every problem, but God can. Amen? When you live in that secret place, you're under the cover. You're under the protection of a God who controls the whole universe. He keeps the stars in orbit. He keeps them fueled and burning. He controls every single thing throughout the whole universe and on our planet. And you have comfort and rest and cover knowing that you're in there. Amen? There's supernatural success in the secret place, verses 7 through 9. And I'm hurrying. We're getting there. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. This is a thought that I think about. I think I've spoke to Brother Dennis about it. I don't know. Go to, uh, where are we at? Second Samuel, did I give you that? Go to Second Samuel. I don't know exactly how this happened. And, and I don't think you can help me, honestly. But when the nation of Israel and David and all of them went into the big wars where they were fighting and doing all these incredible things, I don't know if God supernaturally slowed down the reactions of the people they were fighting or if God kind of put these guys like in hyperspeed and they were just moving so fast it was unintelligible. I think they'll have videos in heaven that will explain to us and we'll be able to watch it. But here's why, and it just I believe what the Bible says, okay? Listen to this. Uh, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. And this is number one. Uh, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. How many of you have read that? Y'all read that verse in the Bible somewhere? Amen. How many did he kill? 800. How, what did he kill him with? Not an M16, right? Not an AR. He had a spear. 800 at one time. Now, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and saying that this battle took eight hours or 12 hours. If the battle took 12 hours, how many minutes is that? Anybody got good with math real quick? 720. So if the battle went on 12 hours, this guy had to kill one person with a sword at least more than one a minute. Now, think about that. If they just stood and lined up and said, get me, it would probably take him longer than that to do this if he just, plus, wouldn't his arm get tired? How do you kill 800 people with a sword in 12 hours? Over one a minute. Yeah, some of them are going to run, right? 
Some of them are going to fight back. Some of them are going to take a little while. Not everybody's just going to go, okay, here I am. That's supernatural. Amen. How many of you ever have done something or you've been somewhere and you've, I know looking around the room at the guys, we should have never survived what we got ourselves into. And God just, amen. God just, Jeff can tell you some really good stories about that. God supernaturally protects us. When you put your faith and trust in him, do I believe that he really killed 800 people with a sword? Absolutely. Do I believe it happened like they were just a standard battle that he was out and every once in a while? Mathematically, he couldn't have. He could not have done it, all things being considered even. How many of you believe in superheroes? Nobody? Some of you, amen. Some of you spend way too much time and money on the, the Marvel series to not be raising your hands right there. God still does them. I was listening to a, a missionary the other day that was talking about, he finally ended up, making it really short, uh, he went into this place and they were cannibals and, and he went in to witness to them and he would stay in his hut every night and, and took years and years, but eventually the whole tribe uh, came to Christ and the chief asked him at one time and they were sitting talking and he goes, he says, the one thing I never understood that I, I need to ask you, he goes, where is that army of men that used to hang around your cabin every night? And he said, what are you talking about? He said, I didn't have any army of men. He said, yeah, we were, we were going to kill you many times. And we come up on your cabin in the middle of the night, and there was armed people all around your cabin. We couldn't get to you. Supernatural. You know where you get that stuff? In the secret place. There is supernatural success in the secret place. Verses 10 through 12. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Does that sound familiar? It's a messianic psalm. It's also talking about some of the same things that they talked about Jesus. Um, there's health in the secret place. Now, does that mean that Christians will never get diseases and Christians will never get sick? Absolutely not. We were suffering in a sin culture. That's true. Do you remember the story about Job? Y'all remember, you remember the devil and, and Jesus or the Lord and the devil were having this conversation about Job and he says, well, yeah. He says, of course he loves you. You made him wealthy. He says, plus you've built a hedge all around him so nobody can get at him. You know how the devil knew there was a hedge there? Because he had been all around it. He had been all the way around it trying to get in. God holds you in your hand just like that. He's got a hedge around each and every one of you. Do you know what gets into your life? Only what God says okay to. And sometimes it may be for our chastisement. And sometimes it may be that God can see us, maybe, maybe, maybe we even die. We get a cancer and we end up dying from it. But we live with the testimony and the faith of a supernatural God who can do things so it helps others because it's not all about us. Amen? Um, you're never going to get herpes in the secret place. You're probably never going to get a lot of things in the secret place. You're never going to get anything that the devil wants you to have that Jesus does not want you to have in the secret place. There's health in your dwelling. There's health in your family, and he wants to wrap his hand around that. If you're in the what? Secret place. Uh, verse 13, there's boldness in the secret place. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. You know, you get boldness when you start realizing the God of heaven is on your side. 
and you start realizing that he's directing your paths and he wants to help you and he is for you and he's not against you. We used to go on bus visitations. Brother Randy was a, a bus captain with us up at Mount Elmira and I can tell you firsthand that I have, I have had guns pulled on me on bus visitation. I have been run off of properties. I've had people come out with baseball bats uh, just for witnessing to them. We had a, one up there in, my, in, in Prior Valley one night. We uh, took their kids, three little girls, I'm thinking it was, we took them to uh, Santa Claus, what's that, Holiday World. Took the, all the children's church kids to the big 60, 70 of them, something like that. Took them out to Holiday World, paid their way because they didn't have any way. And, and glad to do it, you know, and took them. They had a great time, brought them back that night. Everything was good. Went the next day to pick them up in the bus, and the guy literally come out with a gun, Brother Dennis, said, get off my property and don't ever come back. Now, I was not bold enough to go up and take it out of his hand. But I was bold enough to gently back off the property and say, okay. But I really wasn't worried about dying. You know why? I'm in the secret place. I have boldness. Nothing's going to happen to me that the Lord does not want to happen to me. Amen? Very last one. We'll finish 14 through 16. There's blessing in the secret place. This changes from the psalmist, whoever it is, and I don't even know, it appears to be anonymous, talking about God to God talking about the psalmist. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, and because he hath known my name, he shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him to what? Honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation you see when you're in the secret place you're like a little trophy to God and, and that may sound I don't want that to sound the right way you are a trophy to God because you are in the you choose to be there God does not make you go there God's looking for trophies moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and, and young people in public schools and and he's looking for trophies of people that he can say you know what I want to bless your life I want, to, I want to change the world like David Brainerd and some of the others said. I want to affect eternity through you if you will just come and abide in the secret place. If you'll do that for me, I will do all these things for you. How many of you would like every one of the blessings that are listed that we talked about just today? I would, I would love all those things. You can have them. Landon, you can have them just as much as the preacher can have them. There's no limit. God wants to pour out his mercy and his blessing more than we can receive upon every one of his children, but he wants us to dwell in that secret place. He wants us to come there, and he wants us to stay there, and he wants us to live there. Amen? Amen. Ms. Brandon, you playing this morning? Why don't you come on up? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.